Hello, everybody. So this is one of our very first episodes of our Med Blog podcast, and I've got two awesome people here that are joining us today. Um, we have Dan and Alex, and I will head straight into their own introduction so that they can tell you who they are and what they're here for, and we can kind of share in some amazing information about health and social care careers and future aspirations to hopefully inspire all of you out there. So Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. So good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Alex, and I'm an ex-student of SM6 St. Mary's College and the sixth form, and I'm a current medical student at the University of Leicester. Yeah, you are. We're so proud of you. We're like massively, massively proud of you. Personally proud of you just because I was one of your form tutors at St. Mary's College. So it was amazing. And we've kind of seen each other through lockdown um, and through the pandemic and watched you grow and succeed in order to be able to kind of get to Leicester and be studying medicine, which was always your dream, wasn't it? Um, and we've got Dan here and you two had a really unique relationship through the Medical Health and Social Care Academy. We did. Hi, yeah, my, I'm Dan Roper. I was a GP in Hull for 30 years and now I, I chair the CCG, which is a very sort of complicated way of saying that I continue to work for the NHS. And Alex and I, yeah, I was a mentor and Alex was uh, my mentee, but I think we actually learned quite a bit from each other. I know I learned a lot from Alex. Uh, over the, the year prior to him going to medical school, which was a lockdown year, so I got to see quite a lot of the inside of his bed. His bedroom wall. We had a lot of interesting chats, didn't we? About lots of things that weren't exactly to do with medicine. But that's what we're here for today, isn't it? Yeah, and I think like obviously because we've had to move into this virtual setting, we're in a virtual setting right now, the three of us kind of having this chat, Alex being in Leicester, I'm just outside of Hull, Dan's in Hull right now, um, and that's one of the beautiful things that's come out of this pandemic is, is that we've been able to bring people together who physically might not have had the chance to be able to kind of do those meetings. Um, so I guess the structure for today, we are going to try and ask Dan some questions here in order to be able to get to know him a little bit more and to help Help all of our listeners out there get to know Dan a little bit more um, because I think he's it's a privilege to be able to work with Dan so for so many years I've learned loads from him um, and I think he's got so much to be able to offer and help inspire some of the people that are out there uh, so Alex has his first question for you Dan no I get yanked out the meeting if I get the question wrong <laughs> So, Dr. Roper, why did you choose to work in the healthcare sector? Ooh, right, okay. Uh, so long ago, no. I had, thinking about it, Alex, you know, I think the healthcare sector chose me. Um, I know that's a funny way of thinking about it, but because I've enjoyed it so much and felt as though it fitted in with my way of thinking and personality and the things that I wanted to do, it was sort of... It did choose me. I mean, I did try retail for a while, and I was a terrible failure at it. I had a, a friend of mine and I, we had a toy stall in Hornsey when we left school. And we worked seven days a week for 14 weeks and earned 100 pounds. And then the VAT people threatened to visit us, so we decided that uh, neither of us were cut out for retail. So um, it was never my intention. I always wanted to work in uh, public service, I think. I don't know why, I think it was instilled in me. And medicine was a really good way of being a public servant because I'd done science at school, 
I was interested in that and it just seemed the right sort of fit really so that's why I did it I've, and I've never had one single regret because it's endlessly fascinating so I hope you feel the same way when you've been at it as long as I have I mean, there's a nice sentiment. Dan, aren't I correct in thinking you gave a seminar on public service to all of our students? And I think that was right before the pandemic had actually hit, like the importance of it, the reason why we go into health and social care services. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's an interesting one, really, that I've thought about a lot. And I think there is something about public service where it, it informs a lot of the way that you think and your attitudes and all that type of thing and I think it's about I found it really difficult and I'm due to sort of retire at the end of March and one of the things that I find challenging is to wake up every morning and think I've only got my own needs to fulfill and I think that's really difficult for people you know and being in medicine for a long time you actually go into it and you're hopefully fulfilling everybody else's needs and I've recently become a grandparent I have a little grandson who's nine months old and actually I've what's beginning to happen now is an overwhelming sense that his needs need fulfilling rather so one of my what I'm really looking forward to is having more time to fulfill what his needs are going to be growing up and I was missing that before so I think that's something about public service it's it's not for people who wake up every morning thinking, how am I going to fulfill my own needs? Mm -hmm. Now, you could say that by working in public, you are fulfilling your own needs by fulfilling other people's needs. And people say that, don't they? They say, well, actually, you are fulfilling your own needs. You're just doing it by looking after people. Well, yeah, but that's all right, isn't it? I mean, I think that's more than all right. And we don't need to get philosophical and whose needs are really being met, because I think ultimately, like you said, um, that like the main reason why we're here is because we do care about the people and we care about our communities and we want to be able to hopefully make yeah, them better. absolutely yeah very much so yeah absolutely so I'm going to pose this question to both of you why medicine shall I start yeah go, go on I feel like uh, there isn't any right answer to it and there can be quite a few answers to why I personally chose medicine and I think there are three or four big factors for why I chose medicine. And similar to uh, Dan's reason for entering public service, uh, medicine is a very big civil service uh, role. It has a big role in society and being able to serve other people and to help the wider community and to put the needs of others above your own is quite, quite a dignified career. Uh, there's a lot of um, respect for people who enter that type of job and the self-sacrifice needed to commit to a type of job like that I'd say is uh, quite big as well and not only that I mean there's a lot of stability to that medicine offers uh, as a job and compared to other careers uh, there'll always be a need for doctors there'll always be a need for medics now and in the near future so there's no risk of going unemployed or anything like that and yeah just generally helping people out is um, it's it's something I'd like to commit to and seeing others around me, especially in my uh, nuclear family, for example, my mother, she has osteoarthritis. And so seeing other doctors being able to help her and other healthcare professionals being able to help her uh, was really uplifting and it really inspired me to kind of pursue this type of career and to see if I can do that same thing for others in a meaningful way. 
I think the other thing to pick up that, Alex, as well as it just popped into my mind, is that one of the things that gives people the most comfort, not just in their working lives, but in their lives generally, is purpose. A life that doesn't have, a career that doesn't have purpose, a life that doesn't have purpose is really, really difficult to live. And I think in medicine and all health, and I'm not just talking about medicine, I'm talking about other healthcare related occupations, whether it's nursing or, or um, physios or paramedics, you know, all the other careers that the, that the, um, that the academy excels in, in preparing people for. There is that overwhelming sense of there is a real purpose to that. And it, it's the thread that sort of runs through it. So you never wake up in the morning and think, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. Because <laughs> everything's sort of laid out for you. And I think, Alex, you make an interesting point, really. And I didn't really want to sort of mention it, but I will do now. But that, a big motivation for me was a fear of unemployment. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I thought, yeah, they're only, always going to need doctors. You know, I'm not going to be out of a job. And once you've got that stability, it allows other parts of your... Um, other parts of you to sort of that you can sort of major in and I think it must be terrible that sort of um, insecurity that people have to feel now it's awful and I think you can only help people in that situation if you have a sense of security in yourself so I think that's really important so it just you just it helps you to give get a, a broader understanding of other people's lives yeah, it's essentially, I'd, I'd agree with that notion. Yeah, very much so. If um, there's there's a quote uh, of Jordan Peterson that I'd like to share on this podcast, and it's that uh, it's quite colloquial in the sense that if you're not able to clean your own room of your own house, then how can you go on to achieve or to tackle bigger things in life? So I think starting with yourself, sorting yourself out first before helping others, I think is quite a big thing because it uh, helps to prevent the possibility of harming others by accident as well. Exactly. He's obviously never looked in the side, the majority of GP's cars, has he? Because they're in a right mess, I can tell you. No, but I mean, that's, that's incredibly profound. And I think like kind of looks at how we've all had to be able to make adjustments and cope, for instance, like through the pandemic, through our careers, through our lives, through your own academic challenges as well, um, and trying to be able to like get through that to meet those goals. So then you can become the best possible public servant out there to be able to really make a difference in other people's lives. Yeah, people say, well, what's the secret in a way of being a uh, you know, successful medic or healthcare? And I always say 90% organization, 10% ability. You can be absolutely fantastic, but if you're not organized, you're no good to anybody. If you're not reliable, you're no good to anybody. So those sort of things that we almost take for granted, which is reliability, ability to organize yourself, punctu being punctual, being dependable, they're really, and you know, when we look at other careers where people are supposed to be in a dynamic, creative, um, you know, iconoclastic and all that type of stuff. In medicine, you want to be reliable, dependable, organized punctual turn up on all that sort of stuff and so if that sort of thing appeals to you as an individual you know a, a, a career in healthcare might be for you actually if you appreciate that sense of order absolutely all right so dan what do you think your biggest achievement has been oh my god the academy definitely ah oh, well there you go the st mary's 
college, medical, health, no, and social care academy. I don't know, Cicely, because I never think about that. Um, we won. I said to my wife not that long ago. I said I've probably that I've achieved. 20% of what I've set out to do and failed in 80% of what I've set out to do. But 100% of the time I've tried and you, you mustn't be, you know, afraid to fail in a way. And the other thing is that um, we won, as a CCG, we were lucky enough to win um, CCG of the year in 2017. All the other team that went down there, they all spent the whole night blooming celebrating. I went straight to back to my room and thought, how the heck are we going to continue with that next year? What are we going to do? So my point is that as a, as a doctor or as a healthcare professional, you, you really can't look, spend much time looking back because you'll make a mistake. You've got to concentrate all the time on what's just in front of you, what's just in front of you. And, the, and the, it's maybe one of our weaknesses in a way is that we don't reflect. Often, you'll, you'll know this, Cicely, when you, if something goes wrong, you spend ages thinking about why it went wrong. Yes. If something goes right, you just go straight on and you never think about it. So we need to spend as much time learning from our successes as we do from our failures. But I don't know what my, my biggest successes what i would imagine what i would say to you is i think my biggest success has been the ability to develop teams that have been successful so it's not my success you can't do anything on your own you just can't do it you you know you have to have a team yeah and it's the team success that's the most important thing I mean, I like to be able to call my teams Team Awesome because they are awesome. And that includes everybody that's working behind the scenes in terms of the Medical Health and Social Care Academy. Um, but I do think you're right. That idea of partnership working, that idea of having that strong foundation around you makes such a difference to be able to not only improve your daily to day work life, but also improve your efficiency and your ability to be able to care for all of those other people that are around you. Alex, how do you think your team is in Leicester right now? Are you surrounded by a good team? Team-wise, yeah, the way uh, teaching is set out in Leicester, it's essentially uh, case-based learning. So I think in Hull, it's pretty different to how it is in Leicester. So in Hull, it's a uh, problem-based learning yeah. where most of the time you're inside a team and you're around others working together on a case. In Leicester, we have a combination of both lectures and team-based learning. And I think it's a good mix because being able to absorb that information from lectures and then going on to build upon that information in teams is quite effective I, in my uh, honest belief. But it can sometimes be a little distracting. I mean, there are other members of your team just there. Um, they can be joking about, they could be messing about. But in general, I think the camaraderie in our team, in my little Belbin group is quite good and I do enjoy it. Um, yeah, we get to get to do a lot together. We socialize together. And I think this team building spirit uh, really goes really goes to show that um, it is important. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Alex, do you have another question for Dan? Yeah, of course. Um, who has been the biggest influence of, on your career, would you say? That's a really, that's a really interesting question, actually. Um, I think on reflection, if, if I'm talking about a medical uh, there's two people really. One was a teacher I had at school, and I'd mean that Sicily. I mean that because what he actually did was he 
um, taught or I learned the value of learning and also learning about stuff that wasn't medicine, which was around art and travel and, and literature and all that sort of stuff. It was okay to do that, if you like. And he empowered us, a group of us at school, to do that type of thing. And I, he went, to, he, he went off to live abroad after we left school. And 20 years later, I took my daughter to meet him on an island in, off Greece where he lived virtually on his own because I wanted her to meet him because he was such an inspirational figure to me as an individual. The second one was my first GP trainer that I worked for. It was a GP in Beverly. And he, every, nobody ever had a bad word for him. And I thought, well, how does he do it? And it was basically, we now talk about emotional intelligence as being, you know, books are written about it and everybody talks about the importance of it and whatever. And I think he was the first person that I'd come across from a medical point of view who had a really high level of emotional intelligence. So people thought he was a bit sort of absent-minded or a bit sort of bumbling or a bit sort of parochial in a way, but he was incredibly skillful at making people feel good, building teams, looking after the people that worked for him, you know, building long-term relationships and the respect and respect of people. And that's done out by accident. It happens because people have got a high level of intuitive, emotional intelligence. They understand what makes people tick. And I think what I learned from him is that in, you, in an organization, it's more important to look after the people who are underneath you. And I, I, you know what I mean by that? I, I mean sort of that you're responsible for than it yeah. is to look after the people above you. If you look after the people that you're responsible for, the, look, the people above you will look after themselves. And I think it's really important that. So those are the two sort of influences. Nice, some really nice stories that you were able to share. Thanks, Dan, I appreciate that. Um, so we live in some challenging times right now. We obviously appreciate all the challenges that all of our health and social care workers across the entire country, and again, globally, have had to face essentially in the last two years. Now, with that being said, I think it's really important that we do take a moment to be able to not only thank them for all of their services, but also to take a moment just to be able to reflect. Um, so Dan, given all of those challenges and given everything that we're doing, what do you think at this moment is one of the biggest and most pressing issues in health and social care? In the UK, I think that, you know, where if you were to, if you'd have asked me that question two years ago, it would have been sort of completely different. I think we've now got a real challenge around two things, which is the backlog of all the care that hasn't been provided or people have been able to access during COVID. Now we're nearly two years of that. So I think that's a real challenge for the system. And coupled with that is really difficulties within social care because of many years of it not being funded because it's funded by local authority. Local authorities have had their funding cut. So there are massive pressures within social care. Compounded with that is the fact that the workforce after nearly two years of COVID is pretty emotionally, physically and mentally very tired, very tired. And I think that that's a real issue for for the health of the profession itself, for the public and also for the government to acknowledge in that, you know, we're, they're only human beings and they've only got a certain amount of 
you know, mental, physical, and emotional energy, and how we're going to deal with all the care that needs to be provided with those sort of, and it isn't about money, it's about people. And so that does, it does concern me a bit, to be perfectly honest. I think that we've got to have a really honest, open discussion about how we're going to get through the next sort of two or three years, really. I mean, I think that goes back to like Alex's quote, doesn't it? About the fact that, you know, we do have to be able to take care of ourselves and the only way that we can therefore take care of other people is if we are okay. And how best can we kind of like fulfill that bucket of ourselves, of that self, that need for self-care? And how do we support our workers out there? How are you picking it up at Leicester, Alex? I mean, at medical school, is this sort of... Do you get a sense through the people that you talk to and your tutors and the learning that you're getting about what's going on in the sort of, you know, that there's learning to be a doctor, but there's also preparing to work in a healthcare system. How aware of, I know you are because we've spoken about it a lot in the past, haven't we? A lot of your questions to me have been about that. But how, what are you picking up from everybody else and the environment that you're in? So from what I can say at Leicester, for example, um, we have uh, a module dedicated to sort of the underlying uh, sort of factors to health. Um, it's, we study things such as the biopsychosocial model that analyzes these things that affect health. And it's not only just, you know, the pathophysiology of a person. It's not just the biology of a person that affects health. It's the psychological and the social impacts that affect them as well. And yeah, it's through these modules and through interacting with teachers and CTFs as well, clinical teaching fellows that we're able to get a more holistic idea on what's going on in health right now. So, for example, I think Leicester has one of the highest COVID rates. And I think historically so far across this pandemic, he has had quite a high uh, COVID infection rate and unfortunately uh, a high death toll as a result. And a a lot attribute this factor to Leicester being quite uh, ethnically diverse. Um, but yeah, there's, there is a lot of discussion about it here. It is quite, it's quite a good topic of discussion. But that's great that you have in a whole unit to be able to try and kind of analyze holistic care, not only to be able to take a look at that in terms of the care that you're going to provide, but also the care that then you need to be able to give to yourself. Yeah, of course, it's, 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 it's very useful in making a better doctor really just understanding uh things outside of just the theory it's also understanding the people behind it as well and the environment that people live in and the environment that shapes people to be and how disease can affect them in a different way as well yeah like trying to be able to understand the sociological factors behind yeah. all of that to be able to how how to support the community that you're serving I feel like we've talked a lot about that in terms of like at St. Mary's Sixth Form that like in terms of the pastoral things that we do or the things that we do during forum time to be able to try and obviously look outside the box and trying to be able to help analyze and support the community. But how do you take care of yourself and how do you learn that? Because I think in some senses it is a skill and you're put through the paces, you're challenged by that. And we've all probably been challenged in our own individual ways throughout the pandemic in terms of how to be able to to really get through some of those stressors. How's the transition been to, I mean, the first stage in a way, Alex, isn't it? The transition for you is to go from college to uni, to being stuck at home for goodness how long, to actually going somewhere else. How, how have you, I remember when I went to medical school and, uh, you know, I remember getting the two suitcases on a train into and I stayed with two spinsters in Edinburgh who allowed me to watch two television programs a week 
One was Top of the Pops and the other one was Match of the Day. And it, I shared a room with a guy and we didn't speak to each other for a year, which was quite a challenge actually. Everything after that was much better. But how has it been? For, how has the transition been for you? What have you found most, in a way, not difficult? What's been the challenge there been for you, Alex? I can say uh, uh, the transition. First of all, at the beginning, it was just an absolute. <laughs> it was an absolute shambles. Honestly, the first week, um, I believe I was the first one to move into the flat that I'm currently staying at, and it was just honestly, it was barren, dead silent. It was just me for a whole week. <laughs> Oh, I had nobody to talk to. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was just incredibly lonely during the first week and uh, making friends, making friends, new friends, especially coming uh, from Hull. Nobody else that I knew was coming to Leicester on the same course. I don't think anyone from Hull is coming to Leicester for, uh, for anything else, really. So I was completely on my own here in terms of my immediate surroundings, people I can physically speak to. But... Um, yeah, other than the social aspect of things, obviously learning how to cook for myself, uh, just doing the little menial tasks that have to be done that I just took for granted at home. Uh, I have to admit, I did take it for granted. Well, to... you ring home, you tell them that you missed the home cooking and everything else on those lines. What's your current go-to meal right now? Oh, my current go-to meal would be chicken fajitas. It's just oh, something quick. Yeah, chicken, chicken, chicken breast, pepper, seasoning. There you are. I mean, I think this goes back to what we were just saying about like the need for self-care, that you've gone through this big transition, Alex, and one of those things is making sure that you are eating a nice, healthy, balanced diet to be able to help support your own holistic needs as well to become the best medical student that you can be. I worked out that the best, the most nutritious rounded meal was rice pudding with jam in it because it's got protein, (laughs) fat, carbohydrate, carbohydrate and sugar, and it was really cheap. But you know that didn't okay. do much. Didn't do much for your team. Um, but um, that's. It sounds like you got yourself organised pretty quick, though, Alex. Yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially within the first week. So the first week we had at Leicester was kind of like an. In, it's kind of like a. How else can I call it? Like a little settling in week, a transition week, if you'd like, for university. So we had little activities that uh, the local medicine society would put on, so that we socialize and meet up with new friends and then after that uh, lectures died and my goodness was it like a tsunami just straight into it oh i did not expect it the amount of information they can pack onto like 40 slides on a powerpoint is just insane i i never experienced that before (laughs) and then having to memorize all this having to come back and understand it oh that's a whole other issue so Uh Wow, it sounds like you're doing absolutely amazing, Alex, and we're so proud of you from start to finish, and you now are on the new cover of our prospectus, and we're happy to have you smiling. Oh, really? Indeed he is. Get that Indeed image copyrighted, Alex, before yeah. it's too late. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but as a final note, and I'm going to ask this question to both of you, um, but I would really like you to be able to tell us the one thing or the one piece of advice that you think that you'd really like to share for those that are aspiring to be able to go into medicine. Uh, don't fear commitment, mm. I would say. The, more, the, the happiest people that you come across are the most committed. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing. You've got to really have zeal. Yeah. I would say you've got to have that, that, that undying, unwavering passion for it because it does go a long way. And 
in times of stress and in times of when you're finding things to compound quite a lot if you have that inner ember inner fire with within you then yeah it'll, it'll go a really long way in helping Ah, oh, guys that's brilliant thank you so much for sharing um, and thank you everybody for listening. We're really happy to be able to be launching this med blog pod, med blog pod, pod, podcast. <laughs> I don't know where my words have gone at this point in fact. Um, yeah, we, oh, sure, we can add some bloopers in if we needed to as well. Um, but genuinely so excited. So for all of you that are out there, please make sure that you subscribe, that you rate and review. Follow us on Twitter. It's great to have you with you. And hopefully we've left you with a little bit of inspiration today. Thanks so much, guys. Okay. See you later, Alex. All the best. Bye, Cicely. Cheers. Bye, Alex. See you all Thanks later. Nice being here.